94% of Americans believe in God, but they don't fear Him. The way it looks in our world today is I believe in God, but I don't fear Him. I believe in God, but I don't want to do what He says. I want to do whatever I want to do. I want enough of God to keep me out of hell and enough of God to keep me to get me into heaven, but I don't want so much of God that it makes me change my lifestyle because at its root, I believe God and I believe in God, but I don't fear Him. Practical atheism. Practical atheism. If you haven't written this down, if you haven't read it in some of the other things I've put out, what is a practical atheist? It is someone who believes in God, but lives as if He does not exist. What I want to say to you is, if you will be a part of this series from now through the end, if you'll be open to the Spirit of God prompting you, I promise you with every bit of my soul and integrity, that God will change you. But you're going to have to be open. You're going to have to desire to want it. I admire our young people. Every Wednesday, there's a group of them and some adults that have joined in with us. And they take a meal and fast every Wednesday. And they have scripture to read and then prayer, prayer needs that I list for them to be praying about. And I'm telling you, it's a tough thing to do. But I'm so proud of them. Because as far as I know, they're doing it every week. And as far as I know, God is lifting their spirit. But one thing I do know, that is I have begun that exercise of fasting and praying and reading Scripture... The attacks against me have tripled. I can only imagine what's going on with them. And all Satan wants to do is to derail us, to get us to stop and quit. And one of the fastest ways he does that is to get us to nitpick at each other. Any of you noticed that? Well, I don't think I like old so-and-so. Well, why don't you like them? Well, I just don't like them. Well, they're out doing that. You know what they're doing? Well, how do you know that? Did you follow them around? Do you know that? Are you in their head pocket? Well, I mean, you know, it's what I hear. Well, what are you hearing? Maybe you ought to shut it up. That's the best way to stop gossip is to say, I'm not listening to it. And you're lying anyway. So you don't know you weren't there. Oh, my God. Oh, oh, judging, huh? Well, who's judging? We do that to each other, don't we? Christians ought not do that to each other. We ought to encourage each other. And if, if I'm stumbling, would you come and help me? And, and you do. When you watch, I, I've been out and tried to eat with you people around. I do. You watch what I put on my plate. Then you come over there and take it on my plate. You can have that. What do you mean I can't have that? You can't have that. What do you mean I can't have that? I can have all I want. No, you can't. You can't have that. Deep down inside, I'm thanking you so much, but the flesh in me is going, leave me alone. 
Next week, we'll look at the challenge of I believe in God, but I don't want to go overboard. And then we're going to look at the problem that I believe in God, but treasure is still really on this earth, and my treasure is. And then we're going to look at the problem that I believe that God, I believe in God, but I don't really know Him. But today, I want us to look at the reality of so many people who believe in God, but just simply do not fear Him. It's what I call cafeteria Christianity. How many of you go to cafeterias? Come on, let me see those hands. I love cafeterias. It's not just for old people. But I will warn you, 4 o'clock is rush hour at a cafeteria. Do not go at 4 o'clock in the afternoon. You will be trampled to death. Well, maybe you're fast enough to get out of the way. But I'm telling you, it's a great thing. And I love cafeterias, especially those where you can have all you want to eat. Because it's awesome. You know how it goes. You go into the, you go into the, uh, uh, you get in a little line, you get your little tray, and you put your stuff, and then you start at the far end, right? You get your tray, and you get silverware, and you start, and you start, you start slide along. Don't shuffle along. Stop with, starts with the salads. Not one salad. They got cucumber salad. They got fruit salad. They got, they've got, Caesar salad, they've got regular green, ugly looking salad with any kind of dressing you want to. And then they've got the pea salad. And some people believe that peas shouldn't be in anything, especially in a salad. And I myself, I like pea salad. Made with that old mayonnaise, you know, so, so thick you can't, you hold it up and it stays to your spoon. <laughs> I love it. I love it. You eat it all day long because it's got chunks of cheese in it too. Amen. Glory to God. I'm, I'm really after the cheese, the protein. Then you slide along a little further, go to the main course section. Woo, glory to God. They got steak, they got chicken fried steak, they got some kind of other kind of steak, they got chicken, they got baked chicken, they got broiled chicken, they got fried chicken, big old thick crust hanging off of it. You don't get any chicken, you get the crust. They got liver and onions, please. <clears throat> Why waste your time? They've got fish, they got baked fish, they got fried fish. And the server will say, do you want to, if you, if you order fish, they'll say, you want half or a whole? Throw the whole thing on there. I don't want half of it. Throw the tartar sauce. I mean, if I'm going to die, let's die with a smile on my face. Let me throw it on there. And then you get to the sides, right? Keep sliding and you get to the sides. And they've got fried okra. Mm. Macaroni and cheese. Mm. Green beans, well, you know. Corn, little, little new, they call them new potatoes. I said, it's loaded up, man, because it's going to be old pretty fast. French fries, right? Then you slide a little further to what? Desserts. Desserts. I stop right there, throw my hands up. God is alive and well. <laughs> It's, and you're, I'm telling you, you're next to God if you stop and get that pecan pie with some whipped cream on top. Or that Dutch apple pie. And if it's warmed up with a scoop of ice cream on it, glory to God. But I've seen somebody, they got jello on as a dessert. Come on. Of course, that's where I stop now, is the jello. 
The one that gets me though is tapioca pudding with, with, with rice in it. That's just wrong on every, every facet you can think of. You've got to be ungodly to want to have that for your dessert menu. I rest my case. Look who's promoting it back there. But you, the thing that's so fun about it is you get to go through and pick whatever you want. Is that right? You don't sit down and just, they just put it on your plate and here you go. You get to pick and choose. And that, folks, is what's wrong with the church today. Is we've got so many people coming to church picking and choosing what they want from God. They don't want to surrender. They don't want to give it all. They don't want to surrender at all. They just want to let God have just that much, but they're going to control the rest of it. I'll take a little bit of grace. I'll take a little bit of grace, but I don't want anything to do with judgment. You know, I like this grace idea, but I don't like judgment. In fact, I like that verse where God says He blesses me. And I want a double portion of that God's blessing stuff, but discipline? No thanks. Or how about that verse where God says He plans to prosper me and to bless me and not to harm me? I like that. But I don't like the verse that tells me that I have to be generous. I don't want to believe in a God who makes me do something I don't want to do. I want my God this way, and so God created us in His image And many of us, well, we return the favor by creating a God that only works for us in the way we want Him, not the way He wants us. The problem is that people forget when they pick and choose. That cafeteria Christianity, they they forget that when you finally shuffle to the very end of the line, it's pay time. you got to pay at the end of that line. So it is with God. You can choose and pick all you want to, but there's going to come a payday. And you're going to have to pay. Are you ready to pay? I love Psalm 36, verses 1 and 2. I think I have it in your outline there. I think it's on the, on the board up here. But it really captures the essence of what I'm talking about. The Bible says that sin, look at, your, look at that passage, sin whispers to the wicked deep within their hearts. And the, what does the Bible say next? What does the Bible say? They have no fear of God. No fear to restrain themselves. It's like you taking me to a buffet and just step back in amazement and watch what happens. Oh. You'll step back and your chin will be on the ground. Oh, look at that guy go. I can cover all the entrees, get the salad, have dessert, and I'm at the table before you even decide what you need. Because glory to God, it's all laid out there. And if you've been there enough, you know the track. Let's go. We had breakfast on, uh, what was that, Friday with the football team a week ago when they were out of school before Bixby. Coach Trimble took them to breakfast at the Golden Corral. Yeah. Oh, yeah, whoa, 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 it's right. I walked in. Brother Red had his cane, thank God. Woo! They kept saying, Preacher, you need to go over to the fruit section over here and just have some fruit for breakfast. 
And I went. I went over there. But my body kept going like this, drifting to the other side. Ooh, glory to God. Pork chops and biscuits and gravy and cheese and that, that old that old uh, uh, artery clogging cheese that you can put on eggs and oh, bacon and sausage and oh, two kinds of sausage. And, oh. Some of you are hungry, aren't you? But I didn't fear God enough to restrain me. <laughs> but think about what this verse is saying. The Bible says they had no fear of God to restrain them. They have no fear of God to hold them back. No fear of God to change anything about the way they live. In their blind conceit, they cannot see God to change anything about them. And they can't see how wicked they really are. Well, what a powerful verse. Sin whispers wickedness into the deepness of their hearts. I wish Satan was loud and boisterous and red and pitchforked and horned. I wish he was that way. And I wish he would say, I'm going to get you. I'd love it. But he doesn't. He whispers. He whispers. And he whispers wickedness into our hearts. And then what he says? I mean, that whisper, what's he, what does he say? Well, I don't know exactly what he says, but he might be saying to you, hey, you're not as bad as everybody else. I mean, you're only human. And, you know, God understands. Just go ahead. It's all right because you're weak anyway. You're going to fall. It don't matter what commitments you make. It doesn't matter what your words are because it's okay. You just go ahead. Everybody's doing it. God's going to forgive you. Don't let anyone else have all the fun and everyone else have all the fun. You might as well join in. You only go around once in life, grab all the gusto you can. <coughs> Sin whispers to the heart of the wicked. But you know what? I'm so glad that I'm not one of those wicked people. I'm so glad. And I'm, I'm so glad that you're not one of those wicked people. That's awesome. Isn't it great? It's awesome that we're not wicked. And whispers never get to our hearts, do they? Yeah, don't put that hand up. Don't lie while you're in church. The Bible says there's no one who does good, no, not one. The heart is deceitful above all things. What if sin is whispering to us? What if in our blind conceit we can't see how wicked we really are? What if there is no fear of God to restrain us? What if, like many people, we believe in God but we don't really fear Him? Some of you are probably thinking, Oh, great. This series starts off with hellfire and brimstone. Why didn't He talk about grace or something easy? This really stinks. I mean, this preacher is going to tell me how to fear God, and so God is some kind of cosmic cop. He's up in the air. He's waiting to, for me to, 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 to break a commandment, and then he's going to arrest me, put me in jail, throw me to hell. 
where the worm never dies and there's weeping and gnashing of teeth. I've got to spend the rest of my life afraid of God? Or some of you may have flashbacks to some adult saying, Young man, I'm going to put the fear of God in you. <laughs> that was my flashback. I heard that a lot. Heard that a lot. That's how I'm supposed to live, right? In total fear and terror of God. But I want to tell you, the fear of God is something far greater and more powerful than that. The fear of God, as you look at the words in the original language, is more of a reverent awe, A-W-E, awe. It's this holy sense of divine wow. Divine wow. God is so big and holy, it's the reality that the God who spoke and hung the stars in the heaven, that God loves you. It's the God who was before we were, cares about the intimate details of our life. It's the great I am, the one who, is, who was and is and is, is and is to come. It's the God who is the consuming fire, the rock, the shelter, the one who is so holy that man cannot look upon Him and live. It's that God. It is the God who with the spoken word can change anything, the all-powerful, the ever-present, the all-knowing, that God. The God who was so great in His love that He sent His one and only Son, Jesus, to die for us. And the good news, the good news of the One who was perfect, who died in our place, it's that God. It's that sense of wow, that God loves me. The better you get to know Him, the more your wow increases. The more you get to know Him, the more you see His character, His power, His nature, His goodness, and the glory that He has that is so far beyond the limits of what we can understand. It's amazing. But the problem is, if you don't fear God, and I'm going to step out here and say, and many of you don't, it's simply because you don't know Him very well. I want you to hear what I just said and let that land for a minute. If you don't fear Him, it's because you don't know Him. Because when you get to know Him, you are so blown away by who He is, you have to fear Him. And yet, in our society today, as I said earlier, so many people claim belief in God. Even the demons believe in God. But they're smart enough to tremble. 94% in our country say and believe in, they believe in God, but I'm still going to do whatever I want. Practical atheism. It's believing in God without fearing Him. It's because simply people just don't know Him. I'm going to give you two clear ways that you can know God better. The first thing is, when you truly fear God, you will serve Him wholeheartedly without any conditions. You'll serve Him without conditions because the reality is today most people have conditions. Let me throw a few at you. How about, I'll serve God, but I, I, I'm, not, uh, I'm not going to stop sleeping with my girlfriend or my boyfriend slash boyfriend. There ain't no way, man. That's too good. I ain't going to do it. I ain't going to stop sleeping with him. Now let me shift off of, because you, you immediately think of teenagers when I make that statement. Let me go to the adults because they're doing the same thing. <laughs> Hey, 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 hey. Well, I'm sorry. Truth is truth. Face it or not. Secondly, well, I'm going to serve God, but there ain't no way 
that you're going to get me to tithe. I mean, 10% after all, come on. 10%. I mean, I've got too many things going on. There ain't no way I can do that. Well, maybe you're saying, I'm going to serve God, but I'm still going to look at whatever I want because, you know, I'm going to look at whatever I want. I'm going to see whatever I want to see. And by golly, preacher, you can't stop me. You're exactly right. How about I'm going to serve God, but I still may take His name in vain every now and then because after all, you've got to say something, right? Got to say something. Love the old boy that told me one time, he let out a string of cuss words. He said, pardon my French. I threw up my hands and I said, "Woo, glory. You've heard me say this before. A miracle just happened. And they'll look at me like, what? And I said, I don't know French. I understood everything you said. Gets the point across, doesn't it? Our words are important, are they not? We can use just one or two words and cut and slice and dice our brother and sister in Christ to where they're, they can't even walk anymore. Why do we do that? Why don't we encourage each other? Why don't we lift each other up with good, with good words? Go ahead and answer it and tell them, hey, I'm in church. You should be here. That'd be great, wouldn't it? <laughs> oh, Brother Ed, that's good. That's, even, that's God calling there, so we'll stop. No, I'm teasing Mess with Brother Red at church now, all right? Then lastly, how about I'm going to serve God, but hey, I'm not going to Africa. I'll serve God, but don't you send me to Africa. Okay. All right. I'm not going to send you anywhere. But people are like this. They'll serve God, but. I'll serve you, God, but. read a great story of a preacher he was in his, when he was in his 20s. He was going to church, and he really didn't feel like going to church, but going to church, and he... And he, and he met this lady, and she looked like she had a need, and so he, he got a prompting from God to help try to meet that need. So he pulls out his wallet, and he said, God, I'll give her everything that's in my wallet. He opens it up, and he's got a $5 bill. So he walks up to the lady and says, Lady, I, you know, I don't know, I, I don't usually do this. I'm not stalking you, I promise. But God prompted me to come and give you this $5 bill. She then began to worship God. She said, Oh, you don't know. God touched me this morning and said, You need to be at church. And she said, I didn't have enough gas but just to get to church. I couldn't get home. And now I can. And she just began to testify of the power of God. And so both of them felt that wow moment when God does incredible things, even on a smaller scale, what we would think is a small scale. Fast forward in this young preacher's life a few years, and he has another opportunity. He meets up with a young man in church. And he notices that the young man has a need. He could tell he has a need. And so what he does is he looks in his wallet and he says that same prayer, God, if whatever i got, I'll give it to you. He opens it up and there's a $100 bill. Not a five, a $100 bill. So he contemplates if maybe the devil isn't trying to trick him to get rid of that 100 bucks with that prompting. So guess what he did? He didn't give it. He didn't give it. He operated... He operated on a $5 faith instead of a $100 faith. And then he said for the rest of his adult life, he has wondered, did he miss a blessing? Did he, did he not receive a blessing? Did he not help somebody in a moment of need because God prompted him with $100 instead of $5? Hmm. When... You truly fear Him. You will obey Him without any conditions. And yet, 
we have this incredible, disobedient world that we live in. Another amazing story was found in Genesis 22. God tells Abraham to take his only son Isaac and sacrifice him. Now, I don't know about you. I have three sons. I'm not ready to sacrifice any three of them. Some of you that are new parents, and you look in that face of that baby. I have my granddaughter's picture on my phone. I look at that. I don't know how many times a day I look at that face. And I think there's no way somebody's going to hurt that baby. They'll have to kill me first. And it wouldn't take much to kill me. But, but I'm telling you, I would go to the death for that little baby. How did Abraham have the capacity to be that obedient to take that son? And in verse 12 of chapter 22, God says, Don't lay a hand on that boy. Don't do him any harm. I know that you fear God because you have not withheld your only son. The greatest evidence of the fear of God is obedience to God. The greatest visible evidence of the fear of God is that obedience to God, and yet we've got a generation of cultural Christians, false converts, who believe in God but practice a cafeteria style of Christianity. I'll take this part of God, but I don't want to have anything to do with that part of God. I want to do what I want to do. I believe in God, but I don't really fear Him. And that's what Jesus said in John chapter 14 and verse 15. He said, if you love me, you will obey what I command. And the greatest evidence of the fear of God is obedience to God. You will serve Him without any condition. We live and people live and people come to God with a consumeristic mindset. Okay, God, if you fix my life, I'll give you a chance to prove yourself to me and make my life better. And if that happens, well, perhaps I'll serve you. How does that go? If my marriage is on the rocks, I turn to God. When it's not on the rocks, eh? I lose my job. Whew, got to run to God. Get another job. Yeah. Having health issues. God, heal me, heal me, God, heal me, God. He heals you. Yeah. Boy, I sure wish I knew more of the Bible. Well, open it up and read it. Yeah. Boy, I wish I knew how to pray. Well, you need to get on your knees and do it. Yeah. Well, I've got these friends. I, I, wish I, I wish they knew the Lord. I wish some preacher would come by and tell them about the Lord. Well, why don't you tell them? Huh? We're basically saying, if, God, if you'll fix my life, I may be benevolent enough to serve you. <laughs> I'm going to do you a favor, God. I used to think that God was so blessed to have me as a part of the family. I can sing, I can preach, I'm energetic, I can make people laugh. <laughs> I'm just a total package. And he says, oh, really? 
How about holiness? Oh, 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 oh. How about that stuff you're looking at on the internet? Oh, 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 oh. How about some of those books you've been? Oh, 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 oh. How about the way you've been talking to your kids and to your wife? Oh, 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 oh. Are you with me? Uh. All right, get ready. Hold on, buckle down, because the reality is that when we get to know God, rather than fixing our life, God often instead ruins it, but in the best sort of way. He will, and those of you who really know Him, you know what I'm talking about, He will ruin your life. And that leads me to the second thought, is when you truly believe in God, you will be forever ruined. You will never be the same again, even when you are truly knowing Him. Some of you, you know what I'm talking about. Everything you thought was important is no longer important. There's a whole new mission that drives you. That's what I love about CIY. These kids come home, they are so fired up for God. But Satan comes quickly, does he not? I could, if, if I could have them all testify, they will tell you that God comes quickly to knock you off the mountain. Satan, thank you. Satan knocks you off the mountain. Yeah, at least somebody's listening, praise God. And when Satan knocks you off the mountain, we tend to stay knocked off the mountain. The good news is, Jesus says, hey, come on back up. It's not getting knocked down, it's staying down. Get up! 27 to 25. Had it under control the whole game. Oh, I looked at Steve, and we've been doing stats for several years. I said, brother, it don't look good. People are yelling, I overrated, overrated. There's still two minutes left in the game. Mm -mm. I remember when there was 20 seconds left in the game, and it ended like that. Uh-uh. But you know what? You keep fighting, you keep fighting, you keep fighting, you keep fighting, and something good happens. Something good happens. And that's the same way in our Christian faith. In Isaiah chapter 6 is a great story. King Uzziah, in the year of King Uzziah, when he died, the Lord was lifted up. I love this story. You need to read it in, in its entirety. It's a great chapter. But Isaiah is brought into the throne room of God and it's filled with smoke and it's, it's just awesome. The train of his robe, it says, fills the whole temple. He has these seraphs with six wings, two covering their eyes, two covering their feet, two with which they flew. They were singing the most beautiful, heavenly, majestic song that, that Isaiah had ever heard in his whole life, declaring, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty. And as they sang and as, I, as he saw the train of God and the smoke filling the place, everything shook. Oh, we need a shaking in our lives today related to God. We need a shaking in our church related to God. Do you believe Him? Or are you just waiting to see what the next ride coming along looks like? He will ruin you if you know Him. He will ruin you if you know Him well. And Isaiah says, I am a man who has been what? Let's take a look up here. Woe to me, I cried, I am what? Because I'm a man of, and I live among a people of, and my eyes have seen the Lord of Almighty. <laughs> when you see Him, you are a ruined person in the best of way. In the best of way. You can't be normal. You can't be the same. You can't sit back and hope it happens. 
because I've been ruined in the best sort of way and I'm afraid that so many of you haven't been ruined yet. You haven't been ruined because you haven't really known Him. And what really keeps me awake at night in this season in my life and in this ministry here at this church is that I believe at some level I'm going to be held uh, accountable and have to answer to God for you because you refuse to let Him know you and to let Him ruin you in the right way. And I'm going to be held accountable. And folks, that bothers me. And it bothers me that you don't want it any more than you want it. It bothers me greatly. We've got three, three Sunday school class offerings. The place ought to be packed. Well, man, that's early on Sunday. Oh, my goodness. It can be pouring down rain with hail falling, and you'll be driving to work in the morning, 6 o'clock. 5 o'clock, 5.30, don't matter. You've got to be there, right? But you don't have to be there for God. Oh, no hands, all right. When's the last time He ruined you? You believe in God, but you still do whatever you want. You don't fear Him. It is that consumeristic mentality, and it's not biblical Christianity. We need to lift Him high. We need to lift Him high. Not come to You for, for Him to serve us and do what we want, but come to Him in humble repentance for our filthiness and our wickedness of a sin. And we need to say, God, here we are to serve. And we want to serve You without any reservation, without any hesitation, with total commitment to You. I surrender all. Ah, but preacher, I did that years ago. You know, I, I was really active in serving in the church. And now I'm older. It's time for these young people to do it. I couldn't agree more with you. Lazy, worthless young people. Sit around and let you old people serve. I mean, they do. They just sit there and watch you. Well, look at them go. Man, they're like a house of fire, aren't they? I used to have a poster, our little uh, cartoon hanging in my office. And the lady was rocking the kiddo in a rocking chair in the nursery. and said, yep, told me I'd reliever for a few minutes to go to the bathroom. That was 32 years ago. That's what we do. We get one person that looks like they'll serve them. We're going to rock them to death. Would it be great if all of us would jump in and arm in arm team together? Wouldn't that be awesome? Ooh, glory to God. Glory to God. Why don't you bow your heads for a few minutes? Worship team's going to come help me close. As your heads are bowed, I want you to be in a posture of prayer. Some of you are recognizing the reality of some of the things I've said this morning. You're going to call it what it is, and you're going to believe in God at some level or another, but your life does not really reflect that sincere fear for Him. And what I'd like for you to do is to face it. I mean, I mean to really face it because if you don't, you're going to continue on with this half-hearted cultural Christianity. And I'm telling you, it's not the real deal. It's not what Jesus intended. So I'm going to ask you this penetrating question. Will you today face the reality of your life? I'm telling you, that's where Harold Phillips has been. I believe in him. But in these areas, and I've, and I've talked to God about my areas, I'm not living in a way that I fear Him. God, have mercy on me. I know better. And God, may I know You better. 
And perhaps that's you today. God, would you reveal yourself to us in such a way that we are just blown away by your majesty, by your glory, by your holiness, by your power, by your love, by your intimate and personal care for us. And because of your goodness through Jesus, God, show us so much of you that we have no other response but to be obedient. No other response but to do what you call us to do. And God, may we be so blown away by you that we cannot...